0: Welcome to this week's podcast six-figure fiction challenge. I'm here with my very 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 good pal Lawrence O'Brien who is with me on the quest to make a bit of moolah. I think that is Irish for money.
1: Hello everybody you're very welcome back. So we're going to move forward and this is an update on where we are with our projects. And of course, we'd like to know where you are with your project as well. So please update in the comments if you have anything to say about it. So I'm going to go jump straight in with the where are we with our projects? So I'm going to put you on the spot, Kevin. Okay, where are you with your project? That is an
0: absolute outrage to put me on the spot like that. Um, You know what, Lawrence? I think, and I'm really reaching for a bit of wood but I think I'm in a good place. Let me describe my journey thus far. Uh, we got together, you know, uh, six weeks ago. And we started to look at the mechanics of how to make something that is going to entice the readers. So I stripped everything back and I really took the following as my uh, lodestar, my northern star. One was that romance fiction is king. Uh, So I had this story to tell, the the retelling of The Christmas Carol, and uh, I've turned it into a love story. The second part came after our chat with Bonnie, the script doctor from uh, L.A., and uh, she was really good to take us back to those basics, the paradigm of Sid Field, the, the, the free act structure with the various places to hit. And I draped my uh, uh, story over that and it's, take, it's going to need probably one more week. But I actually think I've got the structure and the story and it's nearly organic. It's nearly congruent. And what I've done is something uh, that uh, uh, the uh, seven-figure fiction uh, author Theodora really strongly encouraged all writers to do, which is write out an ad, a Facebook ad, if you like, or do a very short descriptor of the story from A to Z. So what I've done is I've taken my story and I've put it in the free act with the Sid Field hits, and um, I've put it down into a a doc, which I think is going to be a maximum of three pages long, and it will have the story from A to Z. And then I think what we were going to do, Lawrence, we were going to approach Bonnie to see... If she could uh, run her eye over it and and see, are oh, am I hitting the various spots? Um, so so I what I feel is that uh, I'm on track is is the feeling I'm touching wood because I don't want to, you know, put the, the G on it uh, by uh, over egging it. But
1: that's the answer to your question. Great. I'm very happy to hear that. And yes, we're going to get Bonnie involved in reviewing our proposals, our outline for our stories. So I'll give you an update on where I am now. And that is, I've been um, working on, as you know, an existing project, which is about a healer a thousand years ago. It's a sort of semi-romance, semi-historical fiction adventure story about the aftermath of the invasion of the Normans in England. Anyway, I've been working hard on that. I've been over two years, well over two years on that now. And I have, in the last week, finished it finally. Okay. And I've given it to a proofreader, the proofreader we work with. And she is giving it a final proofread. And then I'm going to send it out to agents. Uh, there's some agents here in over in the United Kingdom who might be interested in. I don't really expect much from it. I expect to be self-publishing this in February. And the reason I'm delaying self-publishing is I want to have a second book uh, ready because one of the things they talk about nowadays is having a series of books which really helps the advertising do well because when you sell one book you generally sell two and that means the advertising is more cost effective. So I'm hoping to have two or even more books ready and some people these days wait until they have a whole series and then they do something called fast releasing the whole series. Got to be careful though because there's also the idea about a minimum viable product, an MVP so I don't go. I don't go overboard and put too many years into it without being sure that something is going to happen. So I'm working on a second book. I don't know where you are. We talked about a series for yours. Where are you on that idea? Well, I have to say you were really helpful. One in changing the location, I put
0: the story back in in a in a big modern metropolis. It was going to be in Dublin, but i i I think that was too limiting. And then I uh, then came up with the idea, Okay, yes, I can, I can, um, aided I have to say by a bit of AI, Uh, I have come up with a series idea, which I think uh, could be, I've still got to chew on it a bit, but I do believe there may be legs. so so the series idea is is starting to emerge. It, isn't, it doesn't have full clarity yet, but I, I think I will have a series, a possible series. Um,
1: so that has been very helpful. So you've mentioned AI. I have also used AI. Now, I don't for a second think that AI is going to write my book at all or anything decent, but it can help with structure and plotting, which is mainly about giving ideas, which it might take you years to come up with yourself so for my second book I have a second book written but I'm not convinced one of the problems with my plotting is that I just sit down every day and it's called seat pants plotting which is oh where are they going to go today okay what happens to them after this so I do a sort of Uh, pantser idea which is just making it up as I go along. One of the problems with that is that it doesn't follow the idea of tropes, successful tropes, successful universal, universal fantasy ideas. So it means that if I'm lucky if I get the plot right. So I am using AI, that's ChatGPT, to suggest plots suggest plot ideas for a historical fiction based in this time period with classic historical fiction tropes. So what when I put that prompt in, it comes back with a whole series of ideas about revenge plots and other plots and the hero's journey and various other plot ideas. And I can cherry pick what I want. So I'm not letting AI do the plotting. We're using it in a way, as I used to use for various guides, the Hero's Journey uh, books. I have books about the Hero's Journey. And instead of opening the Hero's Journey book and looking at the plot ideas for Hero's Journey, I'm now using ChatGPT. And critically, I'm not following the path that ChatGPT suggests, but I'm using it to spur additional suggestions. Oh, should I have a revenge plot in there as well? Should I have finding a mythical sword or some other mythical element as well? So I can can decide what to do with ChatGPT's suggestions, but I'm using AI in the way I might have used a book about plotting in the past and I have quite a few books about plotting and the same thing when looking for suggestions for plot I'd open the book and look for how are the classical plots revenge plots uh, written so I think it's very similar to that and that's about as far as I get with AI and I have got some good ideas for the plot now I have to decide whether to set aside the book two I've already written and by the way I have Bonnie reading it at the moment and she will come back with a with an excoriating review probably, telling me how the plotting was all just, uh, all just made up and on the spot and it needed a proper plot. So anyway, more on this subject in the following week. I'm still in the middle. I'm plotting a different idea uh, for someone, uh, a male figure, who um, meets my female figure later in the series. So that's where I am at the moment with my use of AI. How about you?
0: Well, can I ask one question that prompts from that? So this idea of having either a long paragraph um, Facebook ad, which basically puts down the story from A to Z, the three-act structure right through to conclusion, how do you feel about that because your you, your work practice and I know the the point of this whole challenge was for us to individually and collectively challenge the way our assumptions and the way we've been working. I have to say I found it very uh, it, it was challenging but very useful having put down before actually writing it knowing where the story is from a to z now you're doing the stephen king approach you're making it up as you go along which could work just as well but where where's what's your feeling now about having both the projects you're working on down on one document half a page with all the key turning points
1: I think that's a great idea. I think it'd be really hard to get it into a Facebook ad. It doesn't have enough space, a Facebook ad. But I think it's really important that there's a very strong hook. So we use hooks at the top. It's called the headline. And the headline uh, gives away something critical, which inspires curiosity about the book. So I think it's really important that we can write uh, a hook A headline, some people call it a tagline, something that inspires curiosity and makes people, when they read it, say, oh, I want to click on this ad and see what happens in this story. So that can be a universal fantasy. That can be some effective trope. And tropes are common story plot lines and some people say that we should be able to overturn the tropes and some people say we should discard them. But be careful because readers really love tropes. They really love general ideas like the revenge plot and various others. They really like those and you can look them up online. Tropes for science fiction, tropes for historical fiction, romance tropes and people really like the trope ideas they're familiar with it something useful so if you put your trope into your facebook ad headline that's a good thing but to go back to your question yes i think we should have a summary and we should work on that Okay could you just give two examples both for myself
0: and for any of our listeners that may not know exactly what you mean maybe you could use you know a famous uh, story like star wars or the lord of the rings what would be for say the lord of the rings this uh, headline hook in an
1: ad or a, a descriptor the lord of the rings is about the search for the one ring so that is a the idea of in movies, they call it a MacGuffin, people searching for something. And the one ring has the power to control all the other rings. So it's this idea, this trope of something, some mythical item which people are searching for. And that's the whole focus of the story is the search for the one ring. So the trope in that story is searching for the one ring to rule them all. Uh, in Star Wars, Star Wars, of course, they're searching for the princess, and you have classic tropes in that movie, uh, which is the first one is the rejection of the call. Um, people come to Luke Skywalker's uh, farm, and he rejects them. He doesn't want to get involved. So that idea of rejecting the call and later on deciding to go along is a classic trope. It's used over and over. You see it in movies all the time. You see it in books all the time. Someone says, do you want to come with me on an adventure? And the first thing they do is say no. So rejection of the call is a classic hero's journey trope, which is used many times. Why is it used when everybody knows it's 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 a, a trope? And why is it used when it's so well known? Because people enjoy it. They enjoy waiting for the moment when the person takes up the call, where they they change their mind and go on the adventure. So people enjoy books that follow a particular structure and movies that follow a structure. They're sitting there waiting for the person to take up the call. And the trope again is, for anybody who may not know exactly
0: what it is,
1: it's a it's a standard story line, a plot element, such as rejecting the call, such as uh, the search for an item, a one ring, the MacGuffin. Those are sort of ideas and tropes. And there are thousands of them. Would, a, would
0: destined love be, finding the, the one destined for you, would that be a trope?
1: Yes, absolutely. So you can see there's in fact a website called TV Tropes and it has tropes, um, thousands of tropes for nearly every different type of story. An incredible resource. So you can subvert the trope, you can have a change, turn it around, but keep in mind people like tropes. And and we've
0: talked about universal fantasies. For you, what is the difference between a universal fantasy,
1: Lawrence, and a trope? Because they sound quite similar to my head? That's the tricky question. Universal fantasies, I believe, are something deeper. So tropes can be um, a a smaller element of the plot, But the universal fantasy idea, like predestined love, searching for justice, similar to the idea of themes, things that we all would dream about finding justice, finding your true love. That's a fantasy that we all have about finding our true love, finding the person who would always want us, getting justice either for ourselves or our families, getting revenge. Those are sort of more general ideas that can drive a story, and that universal fantasy idea. Those are also available online. There's a lot of information about universal fantasy. So I believe they're sort of more general, where a trope can be a smaller part of the story, which isn't directly related. I don't think we all dream about finding the one ring uh, <laughs> in our own lives. Uh, but we do dream about finding the one true love. Correct. Always,
0: so. and every single person. Yes, and and isn't it amazing that that one of the tropes that Theodora talks of her, in her book is the sense of being taken out of your boring world? You know, the the, the billionaire is a is a, is a trope or a universal fantasy. Someone who has ultimate power, which is the prince charming who plucks you Cinderella like from your uh, garret where you're sweeping the floor and being abused, and puts you into Wonderland. Isn't that the real wonderful thing that we we
1: actually do? sort of
0: thirst for
1: yes that's true now whether men and women crave that idea of being swept off our feet i don't know maybe as men we crave the idea of winning the lottery and our lives changing something being given to us being selected for something for our book for instance you're Mm. writing a book and I don't know if any of these are sexist, whether it's just men or women who like that, but you have to look deep inside your soul to think, uh, what is it that I would fantasize about? And winning the lottery, being winning a prize, winning a great prize for your book, everyone acclaiming your book, those are great fantasies and uh been reconnecting with your parents or your children those are great fantasies as well so there's a lot of those universal fantasies out there okay so it's very interesting um
0: what I did find to just to share the practical elements is of looking at these incredibly uh, powerful uh, things like love, finding true love. That seems to be from the baby till the grave. It's something that seems embedded in our in our psyche. And uh, that's that certainly had an influence on when I was structuring the book. I suppose it, it comes back now down to this idea of you know really taking the trouble and the pain to write out if you can you know a one or two page treatment of your story from the moment the story begins to the moment the curtain comes down and i think once you have that then you can share it with an informed eye i think we're we're all we're all agreed there's no point in giving this to your your wife or your lover or your mum or your dad because they're one they may not be particularly interested in two they'll probably just say yes it's great aren't you great it's to have that voice that critical voice. That's where we're going to use Bonnie for ourselves. If you've heard if you didn't hear her podcast, uh, just go back and check it. It was really wonderful. I think we'll be talking to her again, Lawrence, won't we? We will. Uh, so it's, it's so maybe the takeaway from this week is, for me, is getting uh, I've one more week to really allow the newly re- re- reimagined story that I'm working on. Uh, to to, to refigure it as a love story, which it wasn't originally, and uh, seeing how that goes and getting it down into
1: two sheets of paper. And there's a huge benefit of writing down your plot and your ideas, which I enjoy as well, which is being able to change it, being able to look at the structure, being able to understand where the story is going. I think it'll enable us to get to a quicker start on our stories. So I... I think that's a great idea, Kevin. In our next week's episode, we're going to be looking at what we have produced, what our outlines have produced. We hope you've enjoyed the discussion about tropes and universal fantasies and about putting down an outline. We hope that you're working with us on this, that you will have your outline and perhaps you have one already and that you'll go back and look at it and see, are there tropes in it? Are there universal fantasies? Do you need to look up any of it online? And that helps you to move forward as well.
0: Yes and 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 in conclusion just to bring you give you a map of where we are we've we've looked at you know how to sell uh, how to create a story that may interest people now we're in the process of writing it and but as Bonnie said the other major part of this exercise is the marketing once we finish the book. So that is on the horizon. You know, we, we, we have to now write our books uh, being directed and guided. And then we're going to open up that whole area of how to find visibility in this huge noise out there for all books and all you know uh, writers that
1: may not have you know a celebrity or an online uh, visibility absolutely so we're going to get to that we hope you're enjoying this journey with us and if you have questions if there's an ability to comment please do so or send us feedback please do so it's great thank you for being with us thank you
0: and see you next week